You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. This is a new podcast combining discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know... Starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome back, females and hairy humans. Uh, we are so incredibly pleased to have you here uh, with us again uh, on Distilling Theology, filling your ears with wonderful theological concepts uh, that were not invented by us because we are not that smart. Um, however, we definitely affirm them because uh, we're as smart as God has allowed us to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, welcome back. We are um, just chuffed to bits. Blake, how have you been, my friend? I've been all right, man. It's been it's been a crazy couple of weeks here in mm. uh, in America, and you know we're not a cultural podcast. You and I were talking about this before the show. We're not a cultural podcast. We're not a political podcast, and you know, we have our own differing views within all that, and that's all, you know, within the grace of God. So we're not interested in getting into that. Um, you know, all I have to say about everything that's been going on recently is um, what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis is sin and a tragedy, Absolutely. and we condemn that in the strongest possible terms. What's happening to police officers who are being killed and innocent people in these riots is utterly unacceptable and is sin. Um, and we condemn that unequivocally. Yeah. Uh, and regardless of any of that, at the end of the day, what's the root of all of this is human nature and is our sin and is the fact that we're all in Adam and we're all fallen and hatred is, and, and all these prejudices, all these things stem from sin nature. They are an yeah. expression of that sin. And the only solution, the only fix is Jesus Christ is the spirit indwelling us and transforming us and giving us a heart of flesh where we had a heart of stone. That's yeah, all I have to say really is wherever is, you stand on the issue, um, yeah. in, in the, in the surrounding issues. Um, one th- one quote that I've heard from, uh, a couple of black Christian podcasters is they said, it's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. We know that the heart is desperately wicked, right? Who can yeah. know it? Uh, it's incredibly deceitful. And, uh, when we stray from God, um, these sorts of things are the result of that. And so obviously I think you and I both want to stand for unity. Um, yeah. and ultimately we want to support those who are hurting, um, as best as we can. Um, like you said, we, we have some, um, you know, even you and I have some differing opinions on some of these matters, but ultimately we understand the solution, uh, yeah. being the same. So, um, guys, we're, we're praying for, uh, our country, you know, the scripture calls us to pray for our leaders yeah. uh, and to pray for uh, those who are hurting and to mourn with those who mourn. So uh, we're doing those things. And, um, you know, obviously, if you have any questions or concerns, uh, talk to your pastor. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and if that's not an option for you, uh, obviously, Blake and I are always willing to, to lend a hand as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with all that. And yeah, at the end of the day, you know, the biggest, you know, it's funny, the biggest thing to me in light of everything going on the last month, not just the last couple of days, but has been 
my utter powerlessness in the face of human struggle and suffering (laughs) and, and evil, like my complete and utter inability to actually fix anything. And, you know, it was funny. I saw this quote that said something of, you know, maybe God didn't design us to be conscious of all human evil all the time. Maybe we are, you know, maybe the pseudo omniscience, and omnipresence that social media sort of presents us with isn't good for us yeah. in one's in, in the soul in one sense because our souls aren't made to bear that level of of pain and suffering. Now that's not to say that you know there isn't something there, but I thought that was an interesting concept, especially in light of theology proper, right? That you know we we see this stuff on social media or our friends or whatever, and it's difficult and it's and it's hard to to process, and yet God omniscient omnipresent he knows everything and he's everywhere present and he sees all the pain suffering and evil in the world all the time yeah yeah i can't imagine and yet conceive of that and yet that same god sends his son into the midst of this mess to die for these rebels yeah that are tearing each other apart that are blaspheming him that hate him and he makes a way for us to come to. I mean, dude, I'm getting yeah. like goosebumps it's, it's, thinking it's about incredible. it. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. when you look, when you juxtapose the goodness and the and, and, and the and the holiness of God, you you know we have a we have a tendency here to to oftentimes think, well, we're not those rioters, you know, we're not the looters, right. we're not the criminals, we're not. You know, we're not as bad as this neighbor here or that person there. Right. Or the um, officer who right. was arrested. Or the officer over here. Right. Exactly. We're we're not those people. We're not abusing our power. We're not doing we we have this tendency to think that, okay, well, we're not that bad, right? Yeah. And when you but when you juxtapose that to the holiness and the goodness of God and the standard by which he's set, yeah. it's an incredibly humbling reminder that we're we're also no better off than those people <laughs> apart from the grace of God entirely. Well, that actually, uh, I think we might've been listening to the same um, podcast, maybe not, but um, this was from this podcast, uh, just thinking for myself hosted mm-hmm. by two African-American Christians. And they said, mm-hmm. uh, the quote is apart from the grace of God, we are all officer Chauvin. <laughs> and that yeah. We all deserve to face righteous justice and our that's entire right. need of God's grace. That's right. So that's just, you know, not to not to start on like the lowest possible note but we wanted to be you know cognizant of uh of the environment we're in and and the fact is god is still sovereign in this and god is still righteous and even though there's injustices in this day that take many forms there's all kinds of evils that happen um at the same time and we should you know we are to 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 walk humbly with our God to, to to pursue justice in the right ways, but at the same time, there's a day coming when Jesus is going to come back, yeah. and He's going to fix all of this, and all the all the punishment that is deserved is going to be dealt out correctly and perfectly, and then there's going to be grace, unimaginable grace to those of us that deserve wrath. And to me, that's like the gospel, yeah. man. I, yeah. I just come back to the gospel. <laughs> We, That's right. we are undeserving, wretched sinners, and God shows love to us before we have any life in us, just because of who he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, whoo, it's so good, man. It's so good. So, and I'll tell you, isn't that what makes it so sweet, right? Yeah. 
how uh, how incredibly undeserved it really is. Yeah, man. Mm. Amazing grace is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, we'd all do well to read read a little more John Newton in light of that. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah. So tonight, yes, uh, we're doing, we're tasting something. It's a new. We're beginning a new thing. As yeah, it were. we are. <laughs> like I can't wait. I want you to tell me about this because I don't know crap about it, and I really want to, and I'm excited to drink it. Truly, yeah, man. So tonight we will be tasting the first rum we've ever tried on the podcast. Dun, dun, it's, actually, <laughs> it's also the first uh, non-whiskey as far as distilled spirits. And, you know, when we had less on, we all tasted uh, something, you know, a yeah. little offbeat. And we've tasted beers and cocktails on the, the Patreon exclusives. But this is the first time on the main podcast we're tasting something that isn't a whiskey. And that's going to continue. We've yeah. got other stuff in the lineup. But yeah, we do. Uh, so rum is a distillate that comes from sugarcane technically it's going to be fermented um from a molasses that is made from sugarcane so the sugarcane's harvested it's cooked into this molasses and then that gets fermented and then that gets distilled um so that's kind of the process for rum and then it gets barrel aged in some cases so today we're going to be tasting a rum from the diplomatico distillery which is from venezuela the distillery apparently is right at the foothills of the andes mountains in venezuela um, and from That's their cool. website, it says they were established in 1959. I can't pronounce the first word, but it was uh, the distillery was owned through this main uh, shareholder, which was Seagram's International, which is one of the largest uh, yeah. distributors in the in the world of uh, wine and spirits. But in 2000 beverages, <laughs> that's right. In uh, 2002, this company that that owned the distillery uh, was sold off to a group of private Venezuelan entrepreneurs. So now it's 100% privately owned by Venezuelans, and it's uh, currently under this name that I'm also not going to be able to pronounce, but it, the, the uh, acronym is D-U-S-A, um, and it's independent and family-owned. So that's super, super cool. It, that's not usually the way these stories go. Usually it goes that it was uh, family-owned, and they weren't doing well, and they got bought by a big distributor. So in this case, it's yeah. actually the opposite. Backwards. Um, the distillery is unique in that it houses three different distillation processes, which when combined in blending delivers unique rum, uh, unique rums such as Diplomatico's Reserva Exclusiva and acclaimed rum worldwide, which is what we're tasting tonight. (laughs) Uh, according to their website, they use up to 10 varieties of sugarcane, but the three most used are Romana, Venezuela, and Canal Port. Um, and then they say that the Diplomatico rums are made from sugarcane molasses and sugarcane honeys. Molasses is used to produce light rums and sugarcane honeys for more complex. So this rum in front of us, it's aged up to 12 years. So because it's a blend of different barrels, it's an average up to 12 years. It's bottled at 80 proof or 40% alcohol by volume, uh, distilled from molasses in copper pot stills. And from what I could gather on the website, it's aged in um, oak casks. Former whiskey barrels, usually they're going to use bourbon or scotch barrels. Um, some of their other expressions get into like Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso Sherry, uh, but this one is uh, oak casks. And um, I couldn't find much information. One website reported that it is colored, and because it's such a dark color, I would be inclined to believe that it does have some food coloring in it. So yeah, that's my good. guess. Uh, but what do you get on the nose, Justin? I also wrote a couple notes in here. Uh, yeah. For, for tasting notes, but I want to see what we get first. No, I'm so for those of you listening, I am struggling deeply with allergies this 
the pollen count's been absurdly high uh, here. On the on, there's a website I refer to typically, and it's got a scale like one to ten how bad it's going to be. Monday was like a two point eight. The rest of the week is all eight point something. Oof, it's brutal. Um, so my nose is a little stuffy, but I, I took some stuff to clear myself up a little bit, so I can actually smell. Yeah, but I'm excited. This boy, this smells. There's kind of like a, to me, there kind of smells like a dark sweetness. Yeah. Like a, I get that. almost like a dark cherry with like, it's got the same sort of like kick as like a, like a, like licorice. Yeah. I get some of that like licorice root kind of territory. Um, almost a little bit of like banana sweetness, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of typical of rums. Uh, yeah. There's a little bit of cocoa. And that kind of dark flavor, um, yeah. It's rum. Rum's an interesting spirit uh, coming from sugarcane. It's yeah. quite, a, quite a unique thing. But let's um, let's there's just taste bit, it. A, yeah, there's a little bit of fruitiness. Yeah, little citrus, little little tropical yeah. vibe. Let's get into it. Cheers. Hmm. Yep. Whoa. The way I describe this to people is this is everything a rum should taste like. Like when you think of, of rum, this is what I think of is this flavor. <laughs> Dude, so it's it's definitely more heavy on the banana than I anticipated. Yeah. It almost tastes like a like you, if you took one of those dried banana chips and you dipped it in like sugar, like a little bit of cocoa, maybe some maybe like spritzed it with some some uh some like zest, some like orange zest or something. Yeah. Oh, that is tasty. Yeah, man. And it's about a $35 bottle for the Diplomatico rum. Oh, I would buy this, dude. Yeah, dude. It punches above its weight, I think. Oh, by a man. Lot. Um, part of that is aided by the it's, non-aged. It's really <laughs> exciting. It is. <laughs> it is. It, and the finish is really creamy. And yeah. um, I'm getting, honestly, I'm getting more like cocoa and toffee in the finish. Like after it sits. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. But it's definitely that. a little brighter and spicier when you first sip it. Like when it starts. It, the front it was of spicier mouth. when it first hit me. Yeah. Than I anticipated. But also yeah. so much sweeter than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. And this I saw. It's so on, not like whiskey at all. No. And some people criticize it for being too like beginner rum, too sweet. But personally, I like the sweetness of it. I think it's a really interesting rum. I think. You know, there are other bitier rums. I was actually tasting one uh, earlier today that is really high alcohol by volume and it's super punchy and spicy. Um, but this is just pleasant. Like, Didn't you make enjoy an old-fashioned with that rum? I actually did make an old-fashioned with this. Oh, dude, that would probably be super tasty. But I, So I had to vary it a little, though. So typically, now again, in a little cocktail, cocktail story, but typically old-fashioned, two ounces whiskey, half ounce simple syrup, or one sugar cube. Uh, two to three dashes aromatic bitters stirred serve with an orange zest and a cherry because of the sweetness of this all i did was a bar spoon of demerara sugar which is like basically sugar in the raw um, brown sugar would work well as well but demerara sugar has such a nice molasses content so i turned that into a syrup do a bar spoon of that i did a bar spoon of saint elizabeth allspice dram um, which is a product of the caribbean and it's like cloves it's just crazy it's amazing so <laughs> bar spoon of that bar spoon of this of the syrup 
Um, and this is plenty of sweetness. And then two dashes of aromatic and two dashes of orange bitters. Zest with the orange. I still got a toy with it a little, but it was good, man. It was really yeah. good. Yeah. I'm sad once, that I'm all once, out of it. <laughs> well, yeah, once we're all, dude, once we're all um, done with this, at least to some degree, when we can start yeah. traveling a bit more, I want to come I want to come visit and uh, try oh, some yeah. drinks with you, man, over the fire. Oh, yeah. Well, we might be doing uh, some kind of series at some point, Patreon exclusive, Ooh. where we'll hang out, uh, record some episodes that'll only be on Patreon uh, by the fire. But that's just a tease. In a we'll very s- <laughs> special place, no less. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, so here's some of the notes from the distillery. It says, opening up with aromas of orange peel, toffee, and licorice. It is smooth on the palate and follows on note with notes of toffee fudge <laughs> so good. that offers a seductive, long-lasting finish. Uh, whiskeyexchange.com describes the nose as fruitcake, rum and raisin ice cream, sprinkled with cocoa and banana chips. Yeah. Masters of Malt says the nose is aromatic with hints of sultanas, chocolate, Christmas cake, and gingerbread. Offers a banana cut and custard with thyme in the glass. So we're kind of all in that same yeah. general territory. Uh, both of them talk about cocoa on the palate and fudge, tropical fruits, vanilla, spice, plums. Uh, this is interesting though. Master Malt picks up a sweet coffee note on the finish, um, while Whiskey Exchange gives it uh, bitter orange and dark chocolate. So, and vanilla all, cream. So, dude, we're all I know is I'm going to the liquor store like tomorrow and I'm buying some of this because this dude, is it's, super good. It's stellar. It's really. Uh, we used to mix with this at the cocktail bar that I worked at. Um, oh man, it's just really, really good. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm no rum know. expert by any stretch, but like. Sure. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's super good. And again, as a, as a transition from somebody who likes darker spirits, um, yeah. this is a really good stepping stone because there are some rums that aren't anything like, like they don't have any kind of bridge to whiskey. Sure. Uh, this is a good like transition. Another spirit that would be good is like cognac or more broadly brandy. Um, we'll get there. Speaking of transitions, <laughs> we're going to continue on today with our discussion of special revelation mm-hmm. uh, we picked up on that last week kind of gave a general overview of what that was um so we're just going to dive a little deeper into it today and all as always before we do that uh, i'd like to open obviously with a word of prayer from the value vision mm. um if you have that open to page 18 god enjoyed i looked at this one specifically because ultimately this regarding special revelation the purpose of God's revelation to us in, in his word, right, is for man to enjoy God and glorify him forever. We can only do that through his word and his revelation, a special revelation to us. Um, and so ultimately, if we understand God's revelation and, and we enjoy it and we read it and we look at it, it should turn us to love God and to enjoy him, truly uh, enjoy him. And so this prayer really resonated with me regarding that because— uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoy uh, God as He is, and mm. so, um, Amen. This really, this really just sits sits with me. Thou incomprehensible, but prayer hearing God. Mm. I love that He starts off with that <laughs> because mm. God hear like the God of the universe gives us His ear that we may speak to Him, and He listens. It's incredible. Mm. Known but beyond knowledge. Revealed but unrevealed. My wants and welfare draw me to thee, for thou hast never said, Seek me, seek ye me in vain. 
To thee I come in my difficulties, necessities, distresses. Possess me with thyself, with a spirit of grace and supplication, with a prayerful attitude of mind, with access into warmth of fellowship, so that the ordinary concerns of life, my thoughts and desires may rise to thee, and in habitual devotion I may find a resource that will soothe my sorrows, sanctify my successes, and qualify me in all ways for dealings with my fellow man. I bless thee that thou hast made me capable of knowing thee, the author of all being, of resembling thee, the perfection of all excellency, of enjoying thee, the source of all happiness. O God, attend me in every part of my arduous and trying pilgrimage. I need the same counsel, defense, comfort I found at my beginning. Let my religion be more obvious than my conscience, more perceptible to those around. While Jesus is representing me in heaven, may I reflect him on earth. Mm. While he plead my cause, may I show forth his praise. Continue the gentleness of thy goodness toward me. And whether I wake or sleep, let thy presence go with me, thy blessing attend me. Thou hast led me on, and I have found thy promises true. I have found, or I have been sorrowful, but thou hast been my help. Fearful, but thou hast delivered me. Despairing, but thou hast lifted me up. Thy vows are ever upon me, and I praise thee, O God. I'll tell you, man. This couldn't be a more timely prayer. Yeah. Think about... It hit me. It hit me hard this time reading through this and qualifying me in all ways for dealings with my fellow man. If that doesn't solve all the problems we're having right now in our country, the solution is so simple. But man is just so incredibly depraved. We don't want the solution. And that breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah, man. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Mm-hmm. And that same Christ, that same Savior who sits at the right hand, who's interceding for us, is the same one who said, I love others as I have loved you. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know. Well, how, how does the heads say up, we, that people not, are going to know yeah. who we are yeah. by our love for one another? Yeah. Right? Amen. Hmm. I'll tell you, man. Makes me want to start preaching. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're getting there. We're gonna let we're gonna let our boy uh, Herman Bavink drop a few bars tonight uh, from the one horse. <laughs> Dude, this is so good, man. Yeah, it is. Wow, it's really stellar. I commend it to everybody. Uh, and oh, shout out goodness. to uh, my friend Nathaniel who kept calling me on with a sad react every time that uh, I didn't post of rum on distilling theology he's like but why don't you taste rum yet so nathaniel this is for you you know who you are <laughs> yeah i thank you nathaniel i'm glad you you pushed for this goodness yeah. yeah and the good thing is we've got other rums on the show coming up we've got uh mezcals and tequilas and amaros it's gonna get interesting I saw a couple of gins in my samples that's true as well it's uh it's gonna be pretty exciting we're thrilled uh, we're getting a little thrilled. we're getting a little charismatic with these drinks, Blake. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, no, man, we're just, uh, you know, every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, uh, every variety. Every nation and tongue. Oh. oh. <laughs> On that note, special revelation. 
episode 26. Uh, so last week we talked very briefly, just getting the, in, well, I say briefly at air quotes, we talked about <laughs> special revelation for an hour. Um, yeah. Getting into the general concept of what differentiates God's special revelation from his general revelation. But this week we want to talk a little bit more in depth about the content of that special revelation, um, specifically what is contained within it. Um, you know, we're eventually going to get into the doctrine of scripture and talk about the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, yeah. the authors, the the genres. But that's not really the focus this week. It's really just, about the content thereof. Yeah, if you're, if you're just tuning in and you missed last week's episode, uh, number one, please go listen to it. Uh, if you haven't, though, uh, just for um, just kind of a super quick recap, special revelation uh, is, of course, God's self-disclosure and redemptive history in the interpretive word of Scripture, whereby he makes himself and his truth known at specific times to specific people. Um, and obviously he cannot be known redemptively except as he reveals himself to us, uh, Jesus obviously being the culmination of that self-disclosure to man. Since Jesus cannot be separated from his word, the Scriptures are the ultimate form of of divine revelation from God to us. For without them, we would know nothing certain about Jesus or any divine persons of the Holy Trinity. Just so uh, you're not lost, uh, you want to know what special revelation is as we delve into talking about it and quoting our man Bob Inc., uh, that'll give you just kind of a summary, brief summary of, of an introduction to special revelation. So, well done. Carry on. Carry on. No, that's good. I did not... <laughs> I was uh, not thoroughly uh, vested on that part of it. I was just kind of ready to steamroll right into it. So thank you. Sarah commented on our live stream. She said, rum is my favorite distilled spirit. Woohoo. Cheers. Uh, Somewhere in here, I'm going to find an excuse to throw in a certain quote from a certain movie from a certain pirate (laughs) in a certain circumstance. I'm not Uh, sure exactly where I'll toss it in, but it'll be there. Probably at the end when it's no longer in our glass. You mean when the rum is... Gone. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours later. See, this is why we podcast instead of doing a serious radio program. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we can do stuff hard. It would be rough. Plus, That'd I don't know rough. anybody who drinks in a regular radio program. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> some known, some not. <laughs> uh, facts. All right. On that note, um, so when it comes to special revelation, right, is special revelation just a matter of you know, the quotations of thus saith the Lord, or is it a little bit broader than that? Right. Or, um, you know, is it specifically about judgment? Is it specifically about mercy? Is it specifically like, what is the content thereof? And Bob gives us a little clue here. He starts by saying, it is not true that the prophets come each time again, uh, again with a new and different Godhead. In other words, when Moses comes, he's not speaking of a different God than Abraham. And when David speaks, he's not speaking of a different God. And when Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, all the minor prophets, Daniel, all these guys prophesy, they aren't speaking of a different God, right. um, which is important. That's kind of like the fundamental piece of systematic theology, right? Is God has <laughs> yeah. spoken cohesively. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, we've talked about this, but um, a lot of times arguments against the Bible are brought up of like, well, over here, you know, for example, it says uh, God relented that he had made man. God repented, you know, but then over in, in uh, I think it's Judges or maybe it's Samuel, it's like... Um, that's Samuel. What's talking about um, Saul being king? It's like God is yeah. not a man that he should repent. Okay, right. so which is it? Well, we've talked about that in in our episode on uh, or our episodes on theology proper. Right. Yeah, uh, talking about anthropomorphic language. But this is, I think, this is important, right? The prophets don't preach a new thing. 
Uh, rather, they preach the word always in the name of the same God, who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their fathers, the God of Israel, and whom the people are by the terms of the covenant obliged to serve and worship. I now, think that's super important to start with. I, this thought was running through my mind while you were reading that. One of the reasons that understanding special revelation in God's word is so incredibly significant um, outside of the realm of obviously our own edification and knowing who God is, it's also an incredible evangelistic tool. Now, yeah. hear me out here. If we understand God as the 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 principium of truth, right? He's our reference point of truth. Mm-hmm. He is our arbiter of truth. So he holds all truth, okay? And we're, if we're talking to people who don't, believe in God, we don't know him, uh, but God's word is the source by which we hold all truth, right? We need to understand how we even understand that truth. We need to know how we know it, and we need to know where it came from, know how we got it, know its history. I think it's incredibly important to know about God's special revelation because that's ultimately our our source of authority by which we can speak to anybody about who God is. Yeah. So. And I think of this because I have a family member who was talking to a friend of our family's uh, who just frankly, she, she calls herself a Catholic, you know, um, but she she doesn't affirm biblical teaching uh, as we understand it, orthodox teaching, obviously. Um, and so she had some social issues that she was bound up in, of course. And uh, the family member I had was like, well, I need to know more about why we trust the Bible, because I didn't really have an answer when she said, well, the Bible is just written by man. And so understanding how we got special revelation, uh, the purpose of special revelation, how to read special revelation is incredibly important and significant as far as just how we are able to, like Peter says, give a defense uh, for the faith that's in us. Um, So yeah, a little bit of a rabbit trail there, but I wanted to get that out there because this is such an incredibly important subject matter. Um, You know, like we talked about earlier, this is the way by which we have any ability to speak about who God is and who Jesus is. Yeah, it's, it's essential. And unfortunately, one of the biggest hurdles is people look at scripture as though it's just this combination of books written by a bunch of old guys in the desert, (laughs) Uh, or it's just like any other book. And what's fascinating to me is as you study that deeper and you look more closely, you realize no, this isn't just a random combination <laughs> yeah. of yeah. of old texts that were heavily edited by scribes later on. Um, a lot of those theories kind of fall by the wayside when you actually start to examine the content of this yeah. revelation, right? Yeah. Vody Bakum has a great sermon on, it's an old sermon, um, and I, but I actually heard it before I was even reformed. I was still in college with my, my roommate, uh, Rusty, and Rusty had pulled it up and he was like, dude, have you heard this guy before? I was like, no. And he's like, dude, this, I started listening to the sermon. You got to listen to it. So we started listening to him preach on why we can trust God's word. And man, it was fire. (laughs) It was really good. It was really, really good. And I I learned a lot. So um, it would behoove you folks who are listening to, um, to look that up, just search, you know, um, why why we trust the Bible, Vody Bakum, and uh, you won't be disappointed. I can assure you. Amen. It's solid. Indeed. Then getting into Bavink a little further here on this, he says, uh, talking about 
so there's this there's this you know kind of getting to, to Bakum's um, sermon about trusting the scripture and there's this myth uh, in especially in modern times that the Old Testament is one thing the New Testament's different like you know the the New Testament has a whole different promise and um, and I like what Bobbing says here the heart and core of the religion of Israel was this that God who is one eternal righteous and holy has bound himself in covenant to be Israel's God right the center and core of all the Old Testament promises is the one great promise I will be thy God and the God of thy people. And the following remark Bavink makes is this promise remains the content of all succeeding revelations of God in the Old Testament. So that means that every other time that God speaks, when he's rebuking the people for their infidelity and for their idolatry in the book of Ezekiel, it comes back to this. It comes back to I will be thy God and the God of thy people. It all comes back to the promise, which I, that was a whole new paradigm for me. Like when Bavink kind of opened the doors on that. I was like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah, like all these little things that seem so disparaging suddenly became clear in the view of this covenant that God made. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I think for context, uh, this is important, and and yeah. we'll just continue on with Bob Inc. here. Uh, speaking of the way that God spoke to his people, right? He, he says that God spoke to, in promises to Adam or to Abraham and in the law to Moses and Israel. So, Promises being uh, a promise f- with God, ultimately, it's a covenant, right? Uh, we understand God, uh, covenantal theology, right? The idea that God deals with his people through through covenant. And so, and the, and the beautiful thing about God is when he makes a covenant with you, <laughs> uh, if, if something happens, it's on you. <laughs> um, because God is, you know, immutable and all that. So, but anyway, um, so... Under the law, right, sin becomes transgression because we're, it's not just that we're, we're we're going against what God has said, but we're we're then breaking covenant with God. We're right. transgressing that covenant, and that's yeah. incredibly serious. Um, yeah. He continues on to put that in more context. Uh, the sins of the Gentiles are certainly sins, but they're not breaking a covenant uh, as they are for Israel. And now, yeah. obviously, you and I, being in the covenant of grace, uh, if we if we transgress, we're truly transgressing because. Ultimately, yeah. we're we're giving God the finger while He's given us the covenant of grace, and yeah. so it's a very serious thing when the people of God sin against God. Yeah. Now, is it serious enough that we're going to lose our salvation over it? Well, right. no. We understand that God keeps His people, um, but nevertheless, that doesn't make our sin any less serious, uh, right. and our transgression of the of the covenants any less serious. Um, and it's not as though. Uh, our sin does never come back to haunt us, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, in, in this lifetime that we live. I mean, I've seen it so much in my own life, uh, yeah. ultimately. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I totally agree with all that. I thought I really liked his distinction there because I've seen those words used in um, in the Bible, transgressions, iniquity, sin. Uh, and I like the way that Bavink describes that in Wonderful Works of God, where he breaks down, you know, sin is rebellion against God. Sin is is you know there was sin before there was the law yeah but the transgression of the law only comes when the law is written down and with the covenant people right so these covenant people right. are, are transgressing the law of god in their sins and he says um and i thought this was interesting because again people so often will juxtapose i keep coming back to this but it's important because it's so consistently an uh, an errant accusation towards yeah. the bible 
they will say, well, the God of the Old Testament is vindictive and this and that, but the God of the New Testament, he's all love and grace. It's like, well, hold on, just slow, slow your roll for, for a second. Uh, first of all, like, <laughs> see the Old Testament, Ananias and Sapphira were, were struck dead for lying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, right, right. Like, you know, the holiness, and, and that is no different. I would argue that is no different than what happened to Nadab and Abihu when they sure. brought strange fire before the Lord. Sure. It's the same sin. It's the same not taking the holiness of God seriously. Their sin Precisely. wasn't just that they lied to the church. What is what do the apostles say to them? You have lied to the spirit. Right. You have you are you are you are not believing that God is holy and you're not taking the holiness of God seriously. Right. Their sin wasn't that they didn't give enough. It's that they lied about what they had done and they thought that was good enough before God because grace or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. um and that should alert us to the fact that, wait a second, God is the same. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't changed, right? And, and Bobbing colors this a little here. I'll just read the quote mm-hmm. and then we'll jump into it. He says, uh, the promise is the main thing. The law is subordinate. In other words, the first is the goal. The second is the means. It is not the law, but in the promise that the core of the revelation and the heart of Israel's religion uh, lies. And he goes on. He talks about the threefold use of the law, the, the sure. moral, the civic, ceremonial. But I think that's a cool distinction because at no point does he disregard the law. Like at no point is he like that. The law doesn't matter. It's like, no, no, the law is really important. But so often you hear this idea that the old Testament is only law. The new Testament's only grace and gospel. And it totally messes up the law gospel right. distinction because both are both. <laughs> right. 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 Law and gospel are both in the old and new Testament. Right. Um, it's not I, as though yeah. all of the law was just to totally abrogated and it doesn't apply to us. Right. But the law is still given to, to the people of God in different yeah. ways, perhaps. But the idea being the law is given as a yeah. means by which to crush us, right? right. We, we, we look at the law and we think, oh, geez, like I can't, I can't do that. I can't live yeah. up to that. Well, duh, of course you can't. Right. But the way to God is to obey the law. Yeah. So if you want to be holy— and you want to be worthy of being with God, you have to obey all the law. But if you screw up even one, you've screwed it all up. Right. You know, uh, so if you break one law, you're guilty of all of it. Yeah. So there's quite literally no way by any stretch of the imagination that any of us would be able to make it into heaven. Well, and on the flip side of that, even if we posit somehow, yeah. somehow managed to not break one or all of the commands of God, right? Sure. If we didn't transgress the law, uh, by violating what he has explicitly prohibited. Sure. None of us will ever be able to to rise to the heights of what's required of the of the positive commands, right? Sure. There's sins of omission and commission. There's sins of things that you were commanded to, you did not do. There's sins where you were told not to do something and you did it, right? Precisely. Both categories are there and yeah. none of us are capable well, of fulfilling either. Right. Who, who's ever been able to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul at all times without ceasing? Right. By all means, show yourself. Sure. Well, and, and that's part of the, the danger. I mean, we're, this is a little sidebar, but that's part of the danger I see in the Christian perfectionism attitude sure. is because it starts to, I, I think the, I, I do want to say this. I think that the attitude of we should desire to be conformed to Christ in all ways, we should desire this is good. I don't want to speak against that desire and that heart to be like the Lord. That's not, that's not wrong. Like we're supposed to be like Christ. We're supposed to be imitators, Right. Sure. However, the underlying assumption that somehow we can achieve that perfection is a false premise. 
we aren't ultimately justified because well we got to a certain level of law keeping <laughs> yeah we're yeah. justified on the basis of faith alone in christ alone by the grace of god alone according to what the word is spoken alone for the glory of god alone there's the Precisely. solos again right uh throwback but now, i will that's where i will is. say this for for folks who don't know uh, and I've seen it often misrepresented. I grew up obviously in the Wesleyan church. I went to a Wesleyan college. I know a lot about good old Wesley and John and his brother, uh, who wrote some beautiful hymns. Some of the hymns that Charles wrote is unbelievable. Um, mind you, a lot of folks misunderstand, I think to some degree what Wesley is teaching when he's talking about Christian perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And it's not the idea that we can be perfect in this side of glorification, but rather perfection of intent right mm -hmm. the idea that for a moment if we can for a moment with our whole hearts intend on being sinless then why not two seconds why not three seconds why not now obviously you and i understand that's totally impossible because not even for one second can you love god with all your heart mind and soul yeah. for for like all of it at all time yeah. like there's just no way um and like you said it's it's not only uh obeying the law but it's also all of the commands of God and right. and all all those things. Um, there, there's so much more to it, but just so folks understand, it's not as though Wesley was a heretic preaching that you could actually obtain glorification sure. on this side of glorification. Um, yeah. Just so there's some clarity, because I, I do believe Wesley was a Christian. I do believe he loved the oh, Lord, yeah. and I absolutely think I'll see him in heaven, and then I can yeah. wink at him and say, ha, yeah, you got that wrong, but I love you anyway. Like, <laughs> well, wasn't that wasn't it uh, Whitfield and Wesley, right, that had their Yeah, yeah their they were contemporaries, and, yeah. and, and, you know, Wesley uh, would be uh, trembling on his knees at night praying, uh, grieving over his sin, and Whitfield would be sleeping quite peacefully because he understood that there was nothing he could do, and it was in God's grace alone. So... Just this interesting juxtaposition of the two soteriologies, right? Arminianism, sure. uh, Wesleyan Arminianism in particular, um, yeah, which which differs a bit from uh, Jacob Arminius. In, in and I do security. think it's probably more common in American Christianity yes. that you're going to see more of the Wesleyan version of Arminianism. The Wesleyan Methodist, yeah. that sect. Um, sure. But I, I do appreciate his uh, absolute veracity for holiness personal holiness yeah um his his desire to to be like christ yeah. uh with all of his being um yeah. and the way that he preached i mean he he was an amazing man of god um yeah absolutely you know despite my disagreements uh with him yeah well i love ravenhill i love tozer there's oh, tozer, some man. absolutely incredible reading to be had outside of people who agree with your soteriology, <laughs> yeah. you know, in every pinpoint yeah. detail, right? I, I see that a lot in the Reformed community, yeah. uh, and I, I'm calling all of us out because I've been the same way. Um, sure. Bear in mind, so I, I'm saying this with a mirror looking at myself, um, but there can be a lot of arrogance in the Reformed community, mostly by early Calvinists, folks who have only been Calvinist for, for a short period of time. Um you know, we call that the cage stage, right? They come into this wonderful knowledge of God and, and we get all puffed up with all this knowledge and we become uh, really arrogant about it, which um, can be a problem. You know, we know that knowledge puffs up. And so um, so I, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to, because of that, oh, well, now I'm only going to read the Reformers. I'm only going to read the Puritans. I'm only going to... And it's like, well, that's great. There's so much rich, brilliant, beautiful content oh, yeah. to be had by the Reformers, the Puritans. Um 
you know, uh, the Augustinians going back, you know, and, and there, there's so much good content to have there. But there's also a lot of beautiful, rich content that is biblical, truly yeah. biblical outside uh, of our little bubble. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah. I think there's a lot. I've learned so much from from Wesley and from Tozer. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and so it's it's I think it's incredibly important to to just understand that to pop your little cage stage bubble and get out there. Amen. Preach. <laughs> Testify. Well, and that kind of gets us right. We, I mean, Ultimately, plot twist, every episode of Distilling Theology is going to hinge here because this is kind of the uh, <laughs> the crux of the issue, if you will, right? Yeah. There's this insurmountable problem. Revelation <laughs> is telling us this from, from start to finish through the promises of God. And yet, even through that, even through the law, when we see this brokenness, there is a promise. Okay, and how's that promise fulfilled? Well, Christ comes mm. and Christ is born a Jew. And yeah. he lives under the law, and he perfectly lives the law, perfectly obeys it, start to finish, yeah. dies for our transgression. He became sin who knew not sin, that we might become the righteousness of God through him, right? Like, yeah. our hope isn't that we're going to somehow, you know, muster up enough goodness to, to, to muscle our way into the kingdom of God. Yeah. Rather, our hope is that our Messiah We're looking at you, papists. Come. <laughs> the Messiah has come and he has he has fulfilled the law that was broken. He has taken mm. the punishment in our place. And so what ha- and this is a really important distinction here because I see yeah. so much of this broken in modern Christianity. It is not that God excuses sin because God suddenly doesn't care about sin. He ex- he forgives our sins because our sins have been because the punishment has been paid. Right. Like that's right. really important. That's a world of difference <laughs> to say, oh, yeah. well, all of a sudden God doesn't care about sin. Well, no, that's not true. God is holy. God yeah. is righteous. God is just. He is jealous for his people. The only way that we have grace is because Christ died and right. suffered and right. took our sin upon himself. That's the only way that well, there's hope. Scripture often uses legal terms, legal terminology yeah. and legal understanding um, to recognize how transactional this is, right? Mm-hmm. We have uh, we have us on one side, Christ on the other. Yeah. Uh, Christ dies. Our sin leaves us and goes to Christ, and his righteousness is then applied to us. So it's not yeah. as though we're getting into heaven by our own righteousness. Right. We're 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 entering eternity into into God's kingdom strictly under the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. He's he's looking at us and he's not seeing us. He's seeing Christ's righteousness, yeah. uh, a righteousness that could only be had by the God of the universe. <laughs> well, and that, the fact that he's willing to give that to us is a mm. is a gift. I mean, unbelievable. Well, and that's what uh, R.C. Sproul, I think it was in a like mic drop moment. It was like, well, yeah, of course we're saved by works. And everybody in the room is kind of gasping. He's like the works of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's true, right? We aren't. It's not just this like amorphous, weird thing. It's very concrete, and the scripture is clear. It's it's in Adam all die, right? In Adam all have transgressed under that headship of Adam, and yet in Christ, those who are in Christ are saved by the accomplishment. Just as just as one man sin and death entered the world, so by the one salvation, right? It is. It's it's all there. Yeah. But so often we don't want to see that because it's so much easier to say, oh, you messed up, but God, God's cool. God, you know, God understands. It's like, no, that's not really. <laughs> There's so You're, much of that in the modern church, too. Yeah. It's just, you know, 
It's heartbreaking. You see really. I think, well, yeah. And I think, I think you see a lot of it in modern worship music too. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that, um, that God is like, not that, how do I say this? They make <laughs> God seem as though he's just like, or pale, you know, Hey God, mm-hmm. you know, what's up, bud? What's up, bro? Like, or your boyfriend, right. Or your boyfriend, like, Oh, I'm so in love with you. You're so in love with me. You know, uh, it's just like this weird, creepy, you know, it really ooh, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just bizarre. Like, or the, the people that say, well, I'm not going to date right now. Cause I'm dating God. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? So <laughs> we, we have to understand what does scripture say that we should do? We should fear God. That's not like a, a terrified fear. It's a, it's an awe and reverence of who God is. Yeah. And, and when we revere and fear a God as great as our God, yeah. truly there should be some measure of reverence in which, you know, we, we recognize and speak to him and understand that because of his holiness, he still hates sin. It doesn't matter if he's, if he's forgiven you of your sin. He, that doesn't mean he all of a sudden approves of it or he looks the other way. Like that right. sin is still paid for. It's still paid for in the cross. It doesn't matter that, okay, God has bought you. Um, you know, yeah. like, you know, what what are the Romans saying to, to Paul, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, should we sin more that grace may abound? Right. May it never be. Right. Uh, no, of course not. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, more when we get into, like, uh, the five points of Calvinism. We talk about mm. Tulip. We talk about the perseverance of the saints and kind of My what that flower. actually means. Yeah. But getting into, you know, all that to say. The content of God's special revelation is this promise. I will be thy God and the God of thy people. Right? And that fundamentally is fulfilled. It, you know, the fulfillment, not the, not the abolishment of the law and the prophets. The fulfillment sure. of the law and the prophets is in the person of Jesus Christ. Bobbing says the whole, I, I just love this, the whole revelation of the Old Testament converges upon Christ. Not upon a new law or doctrine or institution, but upon the person of Christ. A person is the completed revelation of God, mm. right? The word became flesh. The son of man is the own and only begotten son of God. The relationship of the Old and New Testament is not like that of the law and the gospel. It is rather that of the promise and the fulfillment of shadow and body, of image and reality, uh, of shaken and unshaken things, of bondage and freedom. He, that is Christ, is the fulfillment of the law of all righteousness of all promises which in him are yea and amen of the new covenant which is now established in his blood i mean that's just the book of hebrews but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and a few other you know gospels and, and epistles but the point of that is ultimately what's the content of special revelation this word of god this this uh, god's self-revelation to us he's revealed himself in jesus christ to us in this whole way that that our redemption is bought, that all these former promises are fulfilled, all these shadows are, are we see what the shadow is coming from. The image is shown to be the reality. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude, it's beautiful. I really uh, enjoyed that chapter too. The, I'll the tell you, well, absolutely. Stuff. And it made me think, I thought of a lot of people that I know who have always said things like, well, you know, no creed but Christ. You know, I just I just listen to, you know, I just love Jesus. You know, I don't do the whole Bible thing, but, you know, I just love Jesus and whatever. And I've heard so much of that garbage. And I think of that and I think you're not even, you're not even thinking because right in the beginning, 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Christ is the Word. <laughs> the special revelation we have is Christ. He is the Word made flesh. Special revelation is Christ. We have his Word. in the But the only way that we know that is because of a self-attesting Word that we have. Yeah. They're inseparable. You can't have... Right. Christ, if you don't have the Word of God. And yeah. if you don't have the Word of God, well, then you don't know anything about Christ. Yeah. And you, if you separate the two, well, then what you know about Christ ain't right. And, you, yeah. I mean, you cannot, you cannot give up doctrine and, and, and Scripture and claim to know Christ. You just yeah. can't. Yeah. You cannot. That's that's impossible. It's right. even and from a logical standpoint, it doesn't even make any sense. Exactly, and that's not a matter of legalism of saying, no. "Well, if if you're not reading your Bible every day, that's not what we're talking about." Though we should be reading our scripture every day, but that's not what we're saying. We're not saying you're saved because you right. read the scripture every day. We're saying you cannot know the Savior, <laughs> right? Unless you read His words, like yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's you know a little get a little excited on this topic, but it's important. <laughs> it's really important, yeah. uh, actually. The Reformed Brotherhood, uh, Tony and Jesse, just recently did an episode on the Second Commandment from the Reformed perspective, which not everybody, you know, is in the same spot on that. But what I thought was cool, what they talked about was um, the sufficiency of the Scripture mm. in that we don't need, you know, re regardless of everything else, like I thought this was a really cool point, you know, um, which is kind of the, the point of Calvin and the Reformers about the use of images is, okay, but the Scripture is enough. Yeah. And fundamentally, if I start to say, well, I need a picture book or I need this or I need this image, you're saying that the scripture isn't it. You're saying that the word of God isn't enough. Uh, and it's a little trite to say it this way. And they said it and I can't. But it's, God didn't give us a picture book. Yeah. Like he didn't give us a flip book, a comic book of, you know, the adventures of, of Jesus yeah. Christ. He gave us his word. <laughs> Uh, and the word is living the adventures of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's true, though. right? We don't have we don't yeah. have the graphic novel of the Gospel of John. We have. Yeah, this beautiful language expressing to us true things. Well, I think that depends on how things. you define graphic, because a lot of the Old Testament is pretty graphic. You know, you know what I mean. You yeah. know what a graphic novel is. Don't. No, it, it's it's true. It, we either we either believe that that God's word is sufficient and authoritative, or we don't. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I, I think you and I probably have some disagreements even on some of the nuances of the Second Commandment, but sure. we both understand that scripture is sufficient. It, it, uh, what's Paul say to Timothy, right? Uh, it's more it, like it gives you everything you need to be a fully equipped yeah. person, a fully equipped man of God, totally equipped, right? Uh, for all things that are, that are going to be pleasing to God. Now it's not going to teach you how to do engineering. So if you want to have a job in engineering, obviously you're not going to get that from scripture, but you can't understand engineering properly without a biblical worldview. I'm just gonna say that, um, <laughs> but anyway, that's a that's a apologetic argument. That's epistemology, yeah. That too, it's both, um, true, yeah. both epistemology and presuppositionalism. Hey, um, so anyway, that being said, uh, boy, this is some exciting stuff, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too, um, brother. For sure. Next week uh, should be pretty exciting. It, it uh, for is, you guys. We we have a, a treat for you. We are sipping a rye whiskey Ooh. that we shall not name. <laughs> and we are talking to a distiller of a distillery 
that we shall not name. Ooh, <laughs> secrets. Uh, but I will say he has a great mustache. He does. Uh, and, he does. And, he's, and, and finally, he's, he's a Baptist uh, on the show with me, so I'm super <laughs> pumped about that. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a blast uh, speaking with him. I think you yeah. guys are really going to enjoy that. Um, it's a lot of fun. We're going to focus uh, that episode. It's, we're planning on two parts with that one. Yeah. Just so you guys, you know, when you first start listening, so you're not expecting one thing and not getting it. Uh, yeah. The first episode uh, with our friend uh, is going to be uh, pretty much specifically on distilling. Yeah. Um, the Which distilling part of our, our podcast. Uh, it was super awesome. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. I learned a whole bunch and it was really cool. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then the second episode with him will be uh, more about theology um, and, and we'll delve deep into that. So yeah. I'm super excited. Uh, yeah, I'm pumped. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Blake, is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, I was just going to toss out there, um, just as we were talking about law gospel distinction, as yeah. we were talking about um, promise and fulfillment. Uh, I've recommended this book on the show before, but I'm going to recommend it again because I can't stop recommending it. It's uh, The Whole Christ <laughs> by Sinclair Ferguson. Yeah. Probably the best contemporary book I've read on the topic of the law yeah. gospel distinction. Um, just also, I just love listening stellar. to Sinclair Ferguson speak. Yo, I can listen to that man <laughs> all day long. But basically, he talks about uh, legalism, antinomianism, and gospel assurance, why the Merrill controversy still matters, which was like an early Scottish controversy over a doctrinal statement. Uh, yeah. And yet the relevance of it still carries to today. And it's not so much an exposition on that as it is an exploration of the ideas that were dealt with in that controversy that still plague the church today. Like, sure, th- these are these are issues that we wrestle with. And um, it's very pastoral and comforting and uh, frankly challenging in, in some ways. So I definitely sure. commend that to you guys listening. Um, the Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. Whew. Man. So on that note, we're just going to recommend to you guys uh, <laughs> some other things. Um, we didn't mention it in the beginning of the episode, so we're going to mention it now. Um, we are part of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Proud uh, members, as it proud were. Proud <laughs> members, as it were. Um, yeah, if you want to check out other Reformed podcasts that are super solid, theologically uh, dense and awesome, um, a lot of fun to listen to, a lot of really cool content there, just go to reformpodcasts.com. Uh, that's the mega feed, and anytime somebody uploads a new episode, you'll get that uh, right at right right there, right at the website. Um, so you don't even need to go to all of our different websites, or you don't even need to open a podcasting app. It's just right in your browser. It's great. Um, <laughs> uh, so go there. You'll get uh, theology podcasts such as the Bobcast, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, Reform Brotherhood, Fast God stuff, Reform Pilgrims, Sipping on Theology, and the Steady Anchor Podcast. Um, all phenomenal stuff. Great people. We love these guys. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Uh, Blake, if there's anything else you want to toss in there, by all means. I'm sure there's something, but I'm uh, I'm drawing a blank. So uh, <laughs> on that note, if you want to see our silly faces, listen to us, uh, get episodes before they're released. We're live streaming this episode days uh, before it's going to be out to the general public on Patreon. Also, uh, episode 27, our interview with our distiller, our conversation is already on Patreon. So, you know, it's there. 
You can check us out on Patreon for $3.99 per month. You get access to early release episodes, bonus content, occasional voting on spirits for for episodes, things like that. Uh, We really enjoy it. We're super grateful to everyone who's there supporting us. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Uh, And Justin, how can people get in touch with us? Listen, if you want to have conversations with us, you want to see pictures, you want to see book recommendations, you want to see whiskey recommendations or other distilled spirits, uh, check us out on... Uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash distilling theology. We also search for this distilling theology group. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a Christian, you like our podcast and you like uh, theology and distilled spirits, please join us there. Uh, so much fun on that group. Uh, yeah. Like perhaps I'm biased, but it is the most fun Facebook group uh, that I've been a part of. I thoroughly enjoy uh, yeah. the content that's there. Um, and, and we've managed to keep it quite sage so I'm super pleased with that. Um, unlike some other reform podcast or reform groups that uh, I've been in on Facebook, um, it's very pleasant. Yeah, it's very pleasant to be there. Uh, also, check us out on Instagram slash Distinct Theology. Some really fantastic pictures there. Um, and if you send us a really cool picture of a distilled spirit or a theology book that you really like, or both, uh, by all means, we may feature it on our page. Um, so yeah, there's that, uh, distillingtheology.com. You can go right there. Uh, you can get in touch with us there. You can get all of our social media links there. Uh, you can sign up for our Patreon there. You know, if you want to forego just one really expensive Starbucks cup of coffee a month, uh, and support us that allow us to get out even more content and other things like that. So, um, yeah. And also, uh, web store will be up soon. Yeah. We are super close to that. Uh, super pumped about that. It's going to be awesome. Get some cool looking distilling theology merchandise. Yeah. We're really, really stoked about that. We're looking, uh, we're very close to it. I think we've got, um, yeah, just a few more, you know, it's, it's like anything with startup business. We want to make sure we do it right out of the gate. And so that took us a while just to launch the podcast, man. It took us. Yeah. Well, we, we had the idea, like it was at least a year before we actually started doing it. Uh, so to those who are accusing us of being two guys, um, that are just bored during, during quarantine or, or <laughs> shelter in place. Look, it's yeah. not my fault that the Amazon podcast mics were sold out. Okay. <laughs> um, Listen, uh, the reason too, one of the reasons we're, we're even considered putting up a store, yeah. uh, wasn't because we want to sell stuff. It's because people keep asking us for these cool glasses, yeah. uh, and some other stuff. So like we, if, listen, if you guys want that stuff, by all means, we'll do what we can to get it in your hands. For sure. Um, for sure. The only other comment I have is if you guys enjoy the show and if you don't mind, we would really appreciate a five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you listen to. It really helps us out, uh, helps visibility, helps other people to get exposed to the content. So uh, if you think of it, we'd really appreciate it. Blake, and uh, yo. Why is the rum gone? <laughs> <laughs> why is the rum gone? That was the greatest uh, segue of all time. Yeah. So, Justin, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. <laughs> <laughs>